Hey, this is Beth Reese, host of the Oh Amazing Way podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and on other days. And yes, a little bit different than many days. I'm hopping in at the beginning of this one to provide a little context. So many of you know that I am a participant in a two-year mindfulness meditation teacher certification program. The leaders are Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield. And in that program, I have amazing support, including a very gifted and talented mentor, drumroll please, named Allison Cohen. Uh, yes, the same Allison Cohen who is a guest on this podcast. Now, she is just an amazing gift um, to my life and the lives of other people. And we had such a fantastic conversation. Like, I really think it could have gone on like all day and for coffee and over dinner and, you know, that sort of thing. And as a result, the um, just to be totally transparent with you, my listener and, and colleague out there, um, the, the edited podcast was over an hour with two very distinct topics, one on mindful communication and one where Allison really takes a beautiful dive in um, sharing and um, discussing explicit and implicit bias. Both are such important topics. And so what I've done is I've divided the podcast into two halves. So today, this podcast, I am uh, bringing to you the, the conversation Allison and I had around mindful communication. And then you'll see there'll be kind of a part two that is our conversation on explicit and implicit bias. So as always, thanks so much for joining me. And be sure to share and subscribe to this podcast. And Jordan, take it away. When I was six years old and started hurling chairs at my mom, Dr. Beth Reese, in the dining court of the Salt Lake City Airport, she knew something was up. Hi, this is Jordan, and I'm one of her three awesome kids. Soon after that day at the airport, my mom learned that her daughter, me, had sensory processing disorder considered by many to be a spectrum disorder. My mom spent years searching and researching for tools to help me pause, center myself, create who I really am, and then press play. Thus, she developed Flower Power Breath, which I still use to this day in college, and she also found a passion for helping others find their way through the means of yoga. The Amazing Way podcast synthesizes over two decades of my mom's work, bringing mindfulness, mental hygiene, and yoga on and off the mat to teachers, parents, and families in homes, classrooms, schools, and beyond. This podcast offers practical ideas and tools for integrating research-based self-regulation tools into daily life. Take it from me, you want to check this podcast out. Yeah, baby. Hi, welcome to the Oh Amazing Way podcast. My name is Beth Reese. I'm the host and also the founder of Yoginos Yoga for Youth. And today we have an, dare I say it, oh amazing episode for you. We have my very awesome and dear mentor, Allison Cohen, who's joining us from New York today. Allison, how are you? Oh, I'm just feeling so grateful to be here. This is such a treat. The miracles of technology. 
right? <laughs> right? I know. Oh, yeah. I know. It's oh. really just wonderful. And um, so let's go ahead. Uh, I'll, as you all know, for those of you who are familiar with the podcast, I'll introduce Allison in a moment. And I really love to have us start all together in this community. And really the community, no matter when or where you're listening, to know that we we drop in together and take those really nice three breaths together and just really get present. And I have this, this sense of, right, wherever, no matter where you are when you're doing this, there's just this like ongoing wave and ripple effect of us being together and taking a moment to pause and get grounded. So wherever you are, if you will just notice what you are doing, where you are sitting, and if you're sitting, know that you're sitting. If you're washing dishes, really know that you're washing dishes, you're whatever it is. And if it's comfortable for you just to find that grounded space and notice where your body is connected to the ground, connected to a chair. And if it's available to you to, when we take these breaths together, if you'd like to close your eyes or softly lower your gaze, please do whatever's most comfortable for you. And let's just pause here for a moment. And just gently allow your body to soften to the earth. And yet also have your back upright, yet not rigid. And as you're ready, let's allow the breath to come in. Perhaps noticing where it's moving through your nostrils, through your body, if your belly's expanding. And then let the breath move out. Allow your body to soften. And this next breath in, if it feels right to you, to breathe in through the nose. You could try that. The nose provides a nice filter. Again, noticing if the belly is growing, the chest or the back expanding. And let the breath flow out. Perhaps noticing the shoulders relaxing, the eyes relaxing, the face, the ears. Taking in one more breath, perhaps consider breathing in through the nose as if you're smelling a flower. Expansively, joyfully. And exhale through the nose or mouth. And as you prepare to flutter your eyes open or bring the gaze up, just take a moment, notice your surroundings, and maybe notice a moment checking in with your own body if anything's changed or shifted. I know for me, Allison, there was a, just this like excited adrenaline like in my tummy and now it feels, it's still there, but it feels um, a little more like grounded and softened. Anything for you shift in that time together? There was definitely just a sense of arrival. Hmm. Of, okay, we're, at the beginning of this experience together. And now I'm truly here. And I think I'd had transition energy um, before those breaths. So ah, 
Thanks, Beth. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. I know in, uh, in my work life, I often start meetings with a couple breaths like that, um, or maybe a reflective writing practice just to allow people to take exactly what you've pointed to, Alice, in that transition time to really fully arrive. I love, love that phrase. So friends, Allison, uh, so I'm going to share a little story that I don't think she knows. Um, so I have oh. not yet met Allison in person, and I definitely want to underscore the word yet. Um, I am in, as many of you know, the Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Certification Program with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield. And in that program, we have mentor groups, and the groups meet uh, with our mentor, and mine is Allison, once a month, and then the group meets alone once a month. So... I think there are something like 1,400 people around the world in this program, Allison. So there are many, many, many mentors. Thank you for your work. And so then as a participant, we had the opportunity to select our mentor. I feel like I need a drum roll here. I think you do, Beth. And I would do one, but... <laughs> so in the and then my colleague randy joe greenberg and i um were kind of doing this prop program you know together but separate so we were like researching all the mentors you know and talking and scheming and strategizing and we loved allison <laughs> and so we uh it was like we timed when we could sign up so that we could be with you and i know already I mean, my time with you has been, <sighs> so Allison, you have this way of a, of a mentor and coach that is um, professional and just so tender and compassionate. And you really remind me to cultivate that in myself. And I'm really grateful for the chance to work with you and to have you here to share some of your practices of being a compassionate leader and teacher and what that looks like. Thank you so much, Beth. In this moment, I'm just wishing we were sitting in person so I could give you a big hug. And it, hug consent is important. Are you interested in, in a hug in this moment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Put them out, hug for you, Beth. <laughs> hug back to you, really. So, um, and for those of you listening, yes, I really am that dorky that, you know, I just gushed and love on people. And, um, but it's, you know, for those of you who know me know that it's just absolutely sincere. And um, I just really, really have appreciated being, being able to lean into your expertise. And so speaking of expertise, I'm going to share with you a little formal bio about Allison so you can really um, experience, just get to know her a little bit as we dive into our conversation today, which will be about um, mindful communication and implicit bias. So two very, you know, near and dear important topics right now for parents, teachers, leaders, human beings. And um, so we'll dive right in in a moment and let me just share with you uh, that Allison Cohen cherishes any and all opportunities to integrate community building, contemplative practice, social justice, and joy. She incorporates trauma-informed mindfulness into her instructional coaching and leadership work with educators, school leaders, and young adults. 
Allison also offers mindfulness-based courses and workshops throughout the U.S. and mentors participants like me in Tara Brock and Jet Cornfield's two-year mindfulness meditation teacher training program. She's a mindful school certified mindfulness instructor, an MBSR teacher, and an avid retreat goer. So Allison, thank you for all of that work, so important. And a part of what I, I know about you and then reading in that work is, is how important mindful communication, mindful listening is through, you know, the, how it weaves through all of those elements. And I wonder if you'd be willing to share with us a bit about how you came to this work and some strategies that you have found so, so meaningful and transformative during during your years in this work. Sure. Um, first of all, I just want to say that this is such a treat, and I'm just noticing how excited and also grounded I'm feeling in this moment to be with you in this space. And so when I think about mindful communication and my guess is this is true for many people who come to an interest in communication. Uh, I think about family, mm. first and foremost. And as Jack Hornfield says, family is the final frontier, or perhaps we could say an area where there's constant opportunity for practice, both around mindfulness, mindful communication, and learning how to be our best selves. And I'm the oldest of four children. And at a certain point after I'd been practicing mindfulness, I started to become more aware of communication patterns of mine. And one of the main areas of awareness was around advice giving and the extent to which I was on autopilot when it came to giving advice, making assumptions that people wanted my advice, thinking that what I was really hearing in whatever the person was sharing was a deep desire for me to fix whatever situation they were currently experiencing. And so I got curious. And one of the key components of mindfulness practice is this compassionate curiosity, this recognition that every moment offers us myriad chances to lean in with curiosity, question, are there other ways of being in this moment? Or what is this moment asking of me? And so I remember asking one of my younger brothers, we were in the midst of a conversation, and I got curious. And I said, so do you want my advice right now? In the past, I would have just given it. And he said, no, Allie, and my family calls me Allie, as do people who self-select. He said, no, Allie, I actually just want you to listen. Mm. And that was one moment that stands out as part of what led me to want to explore these questions around communication more, more deeply, the recognition that sometimes the ways in which we've either been conditioned or due to certain personality tendencies or familial dynamics or whatever it may be, race and being white and 
noticing in certain moments thoughts like, oh, my opinion must be the best opinion or the most informed opinion and questioning, wait, is that growing up white in America that's contributing to this kind of superiority thinking? Whatever it may be. Um, these moments were really important in helping me wake up more around these questions. And then the other piece that I would offer is that most of my career has been in schools and schools are webs of relationships. And if we think about the foundation of healthy relationships, it's trust. But what supports building trust or the opposite, trust breaking down, communication and the quality of communication, not only verbal, nonverbal. And I started to, as I was teaching, as I was interacting with colleagues, as I was interacting with uh, my principal and assistant principal, just starting to really tune in moment to moment was my communication and the way in which I was engaging verbally, nonverbally, et cetera. Was it increasing trust? And if not, what would it mean to really be present and sense what is this moment asking of me so that I can be a relationship builder? And I'll just stop there. Does that? No, absolutely. I'm really, and, and if you couldn't see me, like there were times, especially when you were talking about the family, that I just had this huge smile on my face or, or the desire to offer advice. And, and I also love you know, the maybe not easy to talk about, but the and the racial dynamic part of it and how we grow up and how just all of the influences that are that are a part of us. And um, I mean, all such important factors and to pause and really be in touch with ourselves and in the moment of what what is really possible in this moment to cultivate trust and relationship like i love I, i'm really going to take that on allison as a way to to think about how to be in a space um and so i wonder in thinking about what that looks like kind of on the court is there, <laughs> is there a time you could uh, another time or perhaps when you were you know in a school that you could share with us you know, there's this moment and what you're noticing in your own body and how, like how you manage that and made perhaps a difference in that, in that encounter. So in my work as a coach, and I'm lucky I get to do non-evaluative coaching, so I'm not grading or assessing teachers. I'm there to support and guide. And regardless, I still need to give, give feedback. And sometimes the feedback that I'm providing is not the most comfortable either to give or to engage with. And I'm, I'm not using the word receive because I don't like to think about feedback in such a passive way. I would say if I'm providing or giving feedback, the goal is for the teacher and for me to engage with that feedback and see to what extent it's relevant to that person and aligned with their values and goals. And 
there was one situation in which I had just observed a teacher's class, a teacher who's incredibly committed, incredibly dedicated, and was working with students who were particularly vulnerable and had had many previous experiences with failure in academic contexts. And students who really wanted to succeed and needed the appropriate combination of um, instructional support and psychological support to do so. And in this particular class, she became really angry. Mm. And she said a few things in the class that if I was a student would have left me feeling like, does this person believe in me? I'm not sure if this person believes in me. I thought she did because up until now, she's behaved in ways that indicate that, but something is, is different today and the messaging is different. And I thought to myself, okay, I could be aversive and just rationalize this away and say she's having a bad day. And I'm not going to bring this up in the feedback session. I'm not going to bring this up in our coaching time. And then I thought, wait a minute. Courageous communication is the only way that we can build towards well, it's one of many tactics, but it's the only way verbally and non-verbally within relational contexts that we can build towards the world we want to see. And I reflected and I considered, how can I present this in a way that allows the teacher I've been supporting and learning from, since I would say every teacher is also a teacher of mine, um, to recognize that she has clear values that she's enumerated to me and that today those behaviors didn't align. And what needs to happen to ensure more alignment? Because each of us wants to be able to live in ways aligned with our conscious values. And yet part of being human is that sometimes we miss the mark. And so when we sat together first, checked in, built you know, that moment of connection. And then I named that this wasn't easy to talk about. I named the concrete ways I had seen her in our time, in our time that we'd been working together, really leaning in and living into those values as a teacher. And then I said, I noticed a few things today that didn't align. And I was hoping that we could dig into those. And Framing it around values and placing it in as something we were going to work on together, that this wasn't a shame or blame session. This was two people deeply committed to the success of young adults. And how could we work through this? And so we talked through it. She shared what had been going on with her. She had not realized some of what she had said. And I can't remember if it was a few days or a few weeks after she said to me, Allison, that conversation, what you shared with me was incredibly painful to hear and I needed to hear it. And I am committed to showing up to students in ways aligned with what matters to, to me. I hope that story didn't go on for too long, Beth. No, no, I, never, never. Um... And there's a couple of things you said there that I just would like to, first of all, I, I love that. And, and 
for those of you listening, there's a couple of things that Allison does that, that I've been noticing in the months we've been working together that are really outstanding. Um, and one of the things you said is that you named it. So, um, and, and I'm guessing this has been intentional on your part. I have never encountered a mentor that does this that you do. And I find it incredibly helpful and, and it, it depersonalizes it in a way. Um, and, and what that is, is so Allison will say, so I'm just going to name something here. And then it might be the naming of this is what I'm seeing. Um, or if it's feedback on a meditation, well, you know, I'm going to name what these things are. And it could be what I might consider as the person engaged and, and the idea of receiving. I'm not just here receiving the feedback, that we're in a um, committed conversation together about it. So I love that also. So that naming of what you're seeing um, has been very powerful. And, um, and then the asking permission. I'd like to talk with this about you today is, can we do that? And then it, you know, I, I imagine if, if the person had said, no, I really can't do that today, I imagine there would have been a, well, when is available for you or some kind of follow-up. And I'd be curious how you would handle that because what if in that moment the person's like freeze, fight, flight had just really kicked in. Um, but the asking permission, just like asking, can I give you advice, is, is so lovely and compassionate. Um, and I do courageous conversations. I love that as well. They, they are not easy and sometimes, and they can often point to like a phrase I've heard is like, well, what is the commitment behind the complaint in a way? And so you are also there knowing and being a stand for this person's, what they are committed to. Um, and, and there are times when as humans, we, we may have a rough moment or what occurs is a rough day. And it also sounds to me like there was, there was a compassionate element of empathy and which helped build the bridge for the two of you to have that communication. Yeah, definitely. And, and what I would offer is that we have bad days. There, there are days where things are really rough and it's different if you're having a bad day and you're sitting in front of a computer typing away. And when you're working with a group of students who have dealt with oppressions of all kinds and have, yeah, have um, fragile, a fragile sense of being able to accomplish what you're asking. And being able to uh, own your story and recognize I'm human and imperfect and I may need to apologize or I may need to just say, I was having a really bad day, please disregard whatever I shared and or if we need to talk through anything that came up. I mean, I apologize to my students all the time. And yeah. I, and that was part of how they knew that I was human, just like them. And in order to apologize, there needs to be awareness of what transpired. And in this particular moment, it was clear to me that this person wasn't aware. 
Right. And, you know, and I heard you say, you know, I could have chosen not to talk about it with this, with the teacher because of her commitment. And I also know, knowing you, the commitment to the students as well. And, yes. and that, that opportunity to become aware and move forward for that teacher in a way that could create that awareness of other choices or what was going on. Um, one of the things you just said that's been very powerful for me and my children is, um, so I, I have in the past, you know, had a like flare up of frustration, temper and like yell and then I get calm and like we wouldn't talk about it. And in probably the last maybe two years, I've started, it's, it's definitely happening less because of this increased body awareness. And I can start to feel when my heat of anger is pulling <laughs> and then be like, I got to go. I'll be right back. And they're like, oh, we know, she, you know she's going to go breathe or something. They sort of tease me now. <laughs> That's awesome. I think they're grateful for it. Um, but you know, you know what, when I do, you know, have a moment to explode, what I have learned to do, and they now can kind of expect it, that we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to describe for them to apologize and to say, you know, I, this is what I was feeling in my body. And there was a point when, you know, I just, I crossed that line and I yelled and that's not what I'm committed to. And then I asked them, and what's the impact for you? And there was actually recently a conversation where I forgot to ask that. My oldest daughter, Jordan, said, you know, Mama, I think you need to ask what the impact is. And I thought, oh. <laughs> and it turns out, um, you know, there it was. It had been upsetting to my youngest daughter. And I really had to take some time and, and to experience that and to hear her. And part of what she shared with me is, you know, Mom, after you, like, yell at me, like, you go take care of yourself. And then you want to apologize and hug me, but I'm not ready to hug you. And like, I need you to really get that. And it's not that I don't love you. It's just, I'm not ready. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I did come back to her and, and, and think that, and, and not ask her, right. That our beginning of the podcast, you asked if you could hug me virtually. And, um, and just as, you know, my deep love for her and wanting to make it okay. And so it was, they, they've become really courageous conversations that we have been able to start having here. And what I think has happened in having those conversations, and not always easy for me as, as the parent, because I also have to manage growing up that the parent is, you know, the idea that the parent is right. Um, and, and that's not who I am and who I want to be for my kids, that I'm this person that's that righteous and right all the time. Um, and what I, what I see happening those through these conversations, there are more often now that my kids are coming to me and talking about and narrating when they've had experiences or maybe they were really frustrated and upset and how they might manage that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what two things are coming to mind as you're sharing this. One is this YouTube video. Um, there's this psychiatrist, I think his name is Dr. Torsky, and he talks about how a lobster is this mushy body in a hard shell that doesn't expand. 
And so as the body grows, the lobster starts to feel incredibly irritable and confined, incredibly, oh, this hard shell. Currently, right now, I'm acting out a lobster. Um, <laughs> oh, this hard shell, I'm trying to grow. I feel so confined, I feel uncomfortable. And then over time, the shell sloughs off and it grows a new one. And it's interesting that often, whether it's in relationship or personally, in times where we're really in growth mode, it can feel so uncomfortable. It can feel so confined. There's a sense of these clothes no longer fit. And yet often, at least for me in my life, I've had all of these moments of there must be something wrong that I feel uncomfortable, that I feel confined, that I feel like I don't want to have this conversation or Whereas instead, what's actually happening is the system's going, time to slough off this lobster shell. It's time for a new one, one that's more expansive, one that allows for growth. And I'm naming this because often the moments when we're leaning in the most or have an inclination to do so are also the moments that feel our, it's almost like our natural instinct is to run in the opposite direction. And yet, if we lean in, there's this opportunity to have a new, beautiful, shiny, expansive shell with much more space to be authentic and to be connected and to be, to be truly here. And yeah, I'm grateful for your vulnerability Beth, and just sharing this story and your interactions with your children, because what you're really doing is leaning into the fact that discomfort is part of growth. And thank you. And I, um, I love that analogy of the lobster because, right, it, you know, I think one of the ways we're conditioned um, as human beings, and maybe it's human beings in this country, is, and maybe it's part of, you know, white privilege in this country is that life should always be comfortable. It should always be pleasant. And if it's not, what can I do to end the discomfort? Um, and whether that's, you know, ignoring it, stuffing it, suppressing it with drugs or alcohol or, you know, whatever that is, right? And what I'll also share here that I, I had a conversation with my oldest daughter that, um, I've been someone in the years, you know, to have a glass of wine at night or maybe a drink. Um, and I said to her, there's been an interesting direct correlation with this work, this mindfulness work and leaning in and experiencing what there is to experience and drinking less. And she said, oh, I'm not surprised, mom. And good for you. <laughs> so, right? Um, but that, yeah, that lobster shell, that's so great. And, and just learning that, um, and even thinking about feeling tones, right? Pleasant, like noticing when it's pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And that when it's unpleasant, to name it, again, going back to the naming, mm -hmm. in a way, it, it takes some of the power away of like, well, it's, it's unpleasant right now. Okay. Oh, and it's gone, right? So, or maybe it's not gone, but it's, it takes, it's just that, that naming to acknowledge that it's there. Yeah. Yes. 
And you had asked about resources. One resource that I found really helpful, both in thinking about communication and in leadership, is Brene Brown has an engaged feedback checklist. And it's available for free online. And it's the components of yeah, of feedback that actually involves human beings connecting and staying connected during challenging conversations and during feedback processes. And she talks a lot about the strength of apologize, the strength that comes with apologizing, making amends, recognizing that each of us is engaging in our own process of navigating relationship. As you were saying, your daughter wasn't ready yet to receive a hug. And so respecting the boundaries that come with whatever relationship you may be um, in. And yeah, I have just, I've shared it with many people, this checklist, and it's particularly supportive. So that's just one offering. Uh, thank you. And we can include that in the show notes, a link to that or something. So um, myself and our listeners can get a hold of. Great. Thank you for joining my mom and her guests on The Amazing Way. Hi, this is Cole, Beth's son. And for more information on bringing mental hygiene or mindfulness, yoga on and off the mat, her award-winning bilingual resources, and other programs into your home and school, check out yoginos.com. Be sure to share this podcast, and remember, you are amazing. amazing.